0: Hi there and welcome to another episode of the Out of the Fishbowl Podcast with me, your host, Brett Fish. In today's episode, where we seek to take a look at one aspect of how the world is and how it might be, we are literally gonna be talking metaphorically about literal diving. So hold on to your snorkels and get ready to take the plunge as we dive into Episode 2 Dive versus. Divers yeah! It was Voltaire who once said, "Is there anyone so wise as to learn by the experience of others?" And learning by experience feels like an excellent segue into one half of today's topic, which is divers. And I thought I'd start by showing a little bit of the history of diving as it relates to me, which is obviously linked to swimming. And I am a terrible swimmer. I can swim. I can do a couple of the strokes, but I'm not particularly good at them. And on the spectrum of swimming, I am probably a lot closer to drowning than being an accomplished Olympic swimmer. And in fact, that reminded me of an incident that happened to me as a child when I was a young kid. We were on a camp, I think it was a church camp with my family. And somehow I was in the swimming pool area by myself and everyone else was at a meeting somewhere else. And I decided I wanted to go for a swim. And I ended up finding myself in a place where the pool was deeper than I'd anticipated. And so I was a little bit of a way below the surface. And I honestly thought that I was going to drown. And how I got out of that moment would probably have made amazing viral footage if it was done today and somebody caught it on a cell phone. But I remember that that when I hit the bottom of the pool, I just did this amazingly huge jump and managed to jump high enough to get my mouth out of the surface and <gasps> take a deep breath and head down to the bottom of the pool again, hit the bottom, just jumped. And I must have jumped 20, 30, 40 times, just slowly making my way away from the deep end. <gasps> every time just getting slowly and slowly to an area where I could finally put my head above water it was terrifying I totally thought I was going to drown but it was literally the only thing I could think of was was jumping and I think any other kind of snorkeling experience that i had as a kid was negative because we maybe borrowed equipment from friends we didn't live by the beach so we'd go to the beach on holiday and borrow somebody's snorkeling equipment and put it on and it would always be too big or too small so it would be painful or it would let in water and then the 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 glass would get blurry and it would be impossible to see and so any time i kind of tried to put on snorkeling gear it just It wasn't positive experience for me. And so it wasn't something I looked towards. And then even thinking of a bit later in life, as a grown up, I was part of a trip where we did the Orange River with with a bunch of youth people, young people, also with the church. And there was one place called, I think it was called the washing machine. And it was a place where you go, you go down a rapid and many people get knocked off in that particular spot. And what happens is it catches you up in a loop. And you're kind of just tumbling around underwater. And what they tell you is if that happens, you've just got to let go and it will kind of spit you out into the stream. But when it's happening, the last thing you want to do is let go. You're trying to swim against it. You, you, Everything just happens and you think you're going to die. And that happened to me. I got caught up in the washing machine and... What was probably about three seconds felt like about eight minutes. And again, I saw my life flash around or in front of me in circles. And eventually I managed to just let go and it spat me out. And I remember that even though I was kind of late 20s and hanging out with a bunch of young people who were in high school, I, that moment kind of put the fear in me. And so I stayed in my canoe. I avoided some of the fun things that they did in other aspects and other parts of the river. And another time when I was in the ocean, I got caught in a bit of a riptide. And so I was swimming out furiously and or trying to get out to the beach and the wave just kept pulling me in and pulling me in and pulling me in. And I remember then again, like I finally managed to get out and, but in the moment I thought I was going to die. And so I'd had a number of those experiences. And so not super amped about water, not not in a rush to go into kind of swimming or snorkeling experiences, and. Then, just before the whole pandemic started, just before lockdown, um, my wife Val and I had this opportunity to go to the Philippines for two months. Now, Val grew up in the Philippines, and this was shortly after her mom died. Um, she left us some money so that we were able to make a trip. Val was able to show me the place where she grew up, and we were able to make a decent trip of it. And the one day we were doing, visiting a bunch of different places on a boat and stopping at each place, and they had an area where you could snorkel. And so I thought, well, let me give it a try. And I put on the snorkeling equipment. And this, if you chat to Val, she'll tell you it was one of her highlights of their entire trip. Was the moment I put my head under the water, I literally made a sound. There was like a scream. There was a a gasp. And the only way I can describe it, which is what went through my mind, was a whole new world. A new fantastic point of view. Something like that, Aladdin style. But, but I put my head under the water and this water was so clear and the snorkeling equipment was so good that I just saw these stunning coral reefs, the, this array of, of beautiful colors, um, some amazing fish happening or all, all swimming around us. And it was just this absolute delight that literally just took me by surprise. And my re- reaction, my response, my whole body, my voice was just, wow, this is phenomenal. And it was truly one of the highlights of my trip, but I think it almost meant more to Val than me, just because she'd never seen me so excited before in a moment, and this moment of transformation. And so what happened then was a few days later was my birthday, and so we decided that, that as a birthday present, I would get a day's scuba diving. And that scuba diving was something I'd always kind of wanted to do in the back of my mind, but given my fear of swimming, my knowing I'm not a great swimmer, and my snorkeling and almost drowning incidents from the past, it it was never something that I thought I would ever do. My older sister in America had done a scuba diving course and she'd had some issues with her breathing and so she hadn't made it she didn't have a great instructor and so i didn't have good feelings about it but after that snorkeling moment it was like this is something i must try but i was very nervous i was very fearful and early the next morning val and i went and we walked into this scuba scuba diving shop and we met this french guy who was possibly the most fun silly infectious person infectious person person I've ever met. He like sold diving to me in the first three seconds. He was so glad to see us and so excited and this is what's gonna happen and you've got to do it. And and he was just so full of life that I was super amped. And oh actually it happened the night before. We went the night before and booked the trip and it was the next morning I went to the shop by myself and I was really hoping that I got this French guy as my instructor, because he seemed so full of life that I thought, if I have him, I'll be okay. And instead, they gave me this this older Greek guy, and he introduced himself as the best Greek instructor in the country, and he'd actually been there for a number of years. and And he was a little bit more serious than the French guy, but he was phenomenal. And I had him all to myself and he was the most incredible teacher. He was fun. He was easy. I felt completely safe the whole time. And the whole day's experience was absolutely incredible. And I got to see and experience some some really amazing, amazing things on that trip, which was so phenomenal. And as I mentioned before, my sister had had a very similar experience of, of trying to learn how to dive, but her experience had been really awful. And a large part of that, the majority of that, was because of her instructor. And so the first hashtag moment for for this podcast is if you're teaching someone something they've never done before, you have the power to affect their opinion on that thing for life. And I mean, if we think back to school, often, not always, but often your best subject is linked to the best teacher you ever had. And sometimes for many of us, our worst subject is linked to one of the worst teachers we ever have. If you had a teacher that hated maths, there's a big chance that you came through life hating maths. And if you had a teacher that loved history, there's there's a chance that they instilled that love of history in you. And so you came out of school and that was the best subject. And it might even affect the trajectory of your life because you might decide that maths or science or history or whatever that subject was might be something that you're so passionate about because that passion was passed on to you by someone else, that you are willing to take it on for life. And so there is an incredible power. Teachers are, I think, the most underrated people on the planet. If you're teaching something they've never done before, and this can be as a teacher, it can be as somebody who's trying to show somebody how to use a phone, or trying to teach a skill in the kitchen, or whatever it is, it doesn't have to be an official teacher. But if you're teaching someone something for the first time, you've got an incredible power to affect their opinion on that thing for life. And so I remember that. And, and so that was that day was a game changing moment for me. I moved from a place of, of fear, in a sense, fear of water, fear of drowning, a distrust of the ocean and of swimming, and of my kind of capabilities. And the one thing that my instructor taught me was that you don't have to be a good swimmer to scuba dive. But having having done some work with him, I think after the first hour or two, he said to me, You must keep on with this stuff because you will pass the test. You are a natural. And it was the most one of the most affirming things people have anyone has said to me, and I think that's another thing we can take from this, that the power of affirmation, the power of looking at someone and saying, You are good at this, or well, I appreciate this in you, is is so powerful. It's beyond the power we can ever anticipate when we're offering those comments to someone else. I think receiving affirmation. There's there's just a power that can transform, that can give hope, that can give belief. And, and so I just want to encourage you, I want to encourage myself to do that more. Affirm people. When you see skills and gifts and talent in people, affirm it. Say it out loud, mention it, because that changed my fear and distrust to a love, And a passion and what was a transformative experience for me. And it hasn't necessarily meant that I'm an amazing swimmer or that I love rushing to the ocean. I'm kind of too scared of the cold and and Cape Town waters aren't appealing for me in that way. But But during that trip on that day, I got to do some amazing things. Like I got to swim with giant turtles. I got to see the smallest seahorse that my instructor spotted like meters and meters away. He called me down. We went to the bottom of the ocean and this thing must have been about three or four centimeters big. And it was a seahorse, which I didn't even know was a real thing. I think I thought it was an imaginary creature that I'd seen in comics and stuff as a kid. And it's like, that's an actual thing. It was oh, it was so good. And then I got to be in this one spot that he told me about beforehand, where I was surrounded by hundreds, maybe thousands of fish that kind of parted around me. So there were three different types of fish in that space swimming in their schools. But literally, you just see kind of a wall of fish and you swim into the middle and they part around you and then you're in the middle of this tube and as you're just looking around there's just all these fish around you it was it was so phenomenal and and just amazing and I guess another kind of another takeaway from this is to try new things to to try things that might be a little scary for you if you are in the in the company of professionals and people that that will definitely have your back in a place where it's safe try new things because they can really, really just free you up. And so that brings me from divers and a whole new experience of the world to to the second part of this, which is the word diverse. Two very similar words and and the strong link between them. Now, about 10 years ago, uh, Val and I lived in America for about three years. And one of the biggest lessons that I learned From that time was this, and I think it's still one of the biggest lessons I have from the last 10 years. Read people who don't look like you. So before I went to the States, and this was not intentional, but if I read books, it was typically for me, the kind of books I was interested in were written by white, Christian, middle-aged, heterosexual American males. I tended to be reading books around Christianity, and so they'd have a similar theme, but most of the people I was reading particularly were white older males. Tended to be American and um, and it wasn't like I'd ever made a commitment. I want to read white Christian American heterosexual males. It was just that those were the books I tended to I tended to read um, those were the people I knew about and so I stayed kind of in those spaces and then in America, this this whole thing happened around the time that Trayvon Martin got shot. And the Black Lives Matter movement came into being. And and I I just really kind of got gripped by that. And I, I'm normally, I, I would describe myself as a lazy person. So if there's a piece of news, I'll maybe read the headline or I'll skim the article and kind of feel like I've got a grasp of it. And when this stuff started happening, Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner, and then just kind of a regular repetition of names that we all know so well of of Black Lives that, that were killed often by policemen and policewomen. And the whole Black Lives Matter movement started happening. I just, I just had this desire to understand it and to read and, and this compulsion to understand what it was about. And as I was looking for people to read, it just kind of happened that the people I came across tended in that area to be Black or African American Christian women. And so some of the names were Austin Channing Brown. Carol Cleveland, Michelle Alexander and and many more. but but they were the ones in my in the spaces I was in, especially because I was in a Christian space. Um, the the black woman, were the only ones in that space that were writing about it. And, and so I started to read and read and read. And where before I would have skimmed an article, I was now reading a blog post and it would have kind of links to two other blog posts. And so I'd find myself reading both of those and then links to more. And I just started reading and just started to understand the value of, of reading people that didn't look like me. And so I carried that lesson back to South Africa. And a few years later, I was I was looking for something to read and I realized that the Israel-Palestine conflict is something that that we all know about. We all know it's there, it comes into the news all the time, we hear commentary on it and stuff. And I realized that actually, as much as I thought I had a grasp on it, I didn't really know much about it at all. So I wanted to kind of learn. A bit about something, some area of the world that was significant that I didn't really have great knowledge. And so I sought out a couple of books that were recommended to me. And so some of those books were a book called The Lemon Tree by Sandy Tolan, uh, the book Blood Brothers by Elias Chakur, and another one was A Palestinian Christian Cry for Reconciliation by Naeem Atik. And, and once again, I was, I was reading about a topic I didn't know anything about, but I was getting the perspective of people that didn't look like me, people that didn't have a similar kind of life experience to me. And so I started doing this in terms of the blogs that I followed. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but podcasts when I follow them, videos that I watch, people that I follow on social media, and and started being intentional about increasing the diversity of the voices that I invited to inform me. And so this is the the second hashtag moment from this episode. If you want to challenge and grow the way you think, read more people who don't look like you. And that extends to podcasts and blogs and who you follow on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. And, And I can say that my life has exponentially improved since diversifying both the people I spend time with and the voices that I invite to inform me, because there's a fresh perspective. Somebody has had a completely different lived experience. And so they will have a different take or a different angle on everything from money to politics, to games, to sports, to music, to any kind of aspects, anything we follow in the world. And I found this to be the most real and the most kind of transformative in my friendship group. And so when I came back to South Africa, when we came back to South Africa, the majority of my friends, because of the way I'd lived before America, tended to be white people. I tended to be in a white bubble. And I started being intentional about finding spaces where I could meet people that didn't look like me and then making connection with those people and inviting people into our house for meals or accepting invitations into other people's houses and starting to spend time with people. And about four years ago, Val spoke at, a, at an event with a man called Makhlatsi Mashua. And for a while after that event, they were talking about, or well, Val was saying, oh, the Mashuas want to hang out with us. And we said, yeah, let's make it happen. And we talked about it and talked about it. And eventually we set a date and we invited Makhlatsi and his wife, Yusanda, came and had a meal with us. And we just completely connected with them. As a couple, we connected with them and I organized with that week to go and hang out with my and we went to go have coffee at Mugging Bean in Cavendish Square. I remember, I remember it exactly. And I remember, I think we met at about nine or 9.30. And I think at one point I I took out my phone to see what time it was. And it was 12.30 and it felt like we'd been together for 20 minutes um, because because we just connected on, on such a deep level. And it felt like, to me, I mean, I can't speak for him, but it felt like we'd been friends for years. And so what was so beautiful about that relationship, even beyond that, is that Makhlatzi is my birthday twin. And so since then, most years, we've done a combined birthday party. We take advantage of the free trip up Table Mountain together. And um, we've had yeah we've had our party together in Weinberg Park park and just had a, a diverse group of people celebrating both of us and we even have a few more birthday twins in the mix which is so exciting and it's my friendship with Mkhlazie has has really been an invitation in some ways to see the world. Through a different set of eyes, we we have a lot in common in terms of theology, in terms of love of cricket, in terms of music, in terms of reading, and um, certain things that we focus on justice. And I, when I speak to him, I hear a very different lived experience, and and there's so much to gain from that. And so. The encouragement, because I think if left to our own devices, we will tend to hang around with people that look like us and think like us and enjoy the things we do. But if, if we want to grow and if we want to think differently and if we want to have our ideas and perceptions cha- challenged or even enforced, like often by hearing different people's perspectives and ways, ways of living, we can, we can find that there is a greater Kind of emphasis in the ideas that we had and and it might might emphasize things we already thought. at other times it might challenge things that we already thought and and give us new ways of thinking but but it, it really is one of the most powerful things, and so the call to action from this week's episode is to change up the voices that inform you. And so if we think of the two words we looked at, the word divers, be open to new experiences. What is what is something that you haven't tried that you've always wanted to try or maybe something that you've been a little too scared to try? And is there a safe space? Is there an opportunity? Is there someone you know that could welcome you into that space? Maybe it's a new dish that you want to prepare. Maybe it's a new experience. Maybe it's rock climbing or it is jumping from a high rock into the water or paragliding or learning how to sew or make pottery or whatever it could be a thousand different things maybe it's trying a new sport or a new activity so divers be open to new experiences and then the second one is diverse be open to new people invite different people to sit across the the table from you or in these days to to be across the zoom screen from you or whatever go and find a place to to walk out in public where it's safe and and invite someone to tell you their story just just listen to what the world looks like through a different set of eyes, through a different set of experiences and from someone who's maybe perceived very differently in the world. Diverse versus diverse. I hope that's been helpful and I'll catch you on the next one.